I'm Danny DiGrisenzo, joined by Alexa Servo for the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call. And we're here with Dr. Jenna Drenton, Acting Chair of the Marketing Department and Associate Professor of Marketing at Loyola University, Chicago. Today, we will be discussing the social media world and online marketing. Dr. Drenton, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. So our first question for you is, what would be the ideal content playbook for digital marketing in today's day and age? Oh, that's a great question. I think when we used to think about content marketing uh, and content online, it was very passive. And today I like to think about content as brand stories. So how are we going to tell compelling stories in an age where it's very hard to keep consumers' attention in a constantly scrolling internet age? So our next question is, how has social media in recent years allowed for greater levels of activism across all platforms? Yeah, um, social media has been great at being able to democratize access to uh, allow people to raise their voices in ways that perhaps we didn't see in previous ages of media. So we see hashtags like Black Lives Matter and Me Too and Why I Stayed and these activist-oriented hashtags. Uh, one that I'm really interested in right now is trans crowdfund. So how transgender individuals reach out to other people through Twitter to be able to crowdfund for access to anything from healthcare and gender affirming surgeries to day-to-day uh, -day groceries and making rent um, because of marginalized experiences that they've had in real life. Um, so the internet really provides access to activism. Um, that said, it also reifies a lot of the sort of oppression and marginalization that we see offline in an online space due to algorithms. And um, a lot of times the things that make it to your For You page on TikTok, um, uh, you know, reproduce what is the sort of norm and ideal of this very white, straight, cisgender identity that gets produced over and over again. And one thing about activism is it really is spearheaded by younger generations. And when it comes to those younger generations, what is driving corporations to market towards them on social media platforms? What is the driving force behind their targeting of them? Yeah, I think companies have to be on social media these days. It's hard to be a company trying to reach consumers of any kind and not have a presence on the internet at some place. Uh, so social media for a Gen Z, for example, is how you get your news, how you get um, access to your friends, how you get entertained. And so brands need to be a part of that conversation, which is why it's really important for corporations to not just speak at consumers, but really engage with them in that storytelling process and make it a co-creative experience for um, younger people to get involved um, because actually, Gen Z, y'all are the experts. Like these are the people that know social media better than a lot of us. And so we have to kind of uh, take a step back and see what are the trends? How are you using this content? And how can we engage with you in a compelling way to be sort of invited to the party? So what are your thoughts on like the massive influx of influencers on social media, like TikTok and Instagram? Oh, I have many thoughts on influencers. <laughs> Um, it's, it is a brave new world of influencer marketing. Um, what started as something on YouTube 20 years ago, which is crazy to think that, um, you know, influencers have really been around, um, for decades now. 
And it has become a very professionalized industry with agents and executives and talent scouts and creative directors uh, around this sort of ecosystem of influencers. Um, I think it's a bit of a multi-level marketing scheme because we sell people on this idea that anyone can be an influencer and all you have to do is post this content and you'll get, you know, 20,000 followers and um, all these brands will be sliding into your DMs to just give you money and you can have a cameo account and post your coupon codes on Instagram. Um, But in reality, it's a very precarious industry to be in because you are beholden as the influencer to your audience, to sort of the ups and downs and the current of whether or not they like you or dislike you. And that is the same media that you make your money on is the same media that has the potential to take all of that away. So it's a very precarious industry to be in. Um, but I, I think it, it's also very fun and, and again, sort of democratizing way to give access to, um, you know, the, not the Hollywood executives, but now we as consumers get to decide who becomes famous and celebrities. And a quick uh, side question with that. Why, okay, why is TikTok so successful? Just, we have to ask someone <laughs> like you because it's just a phenomenon that is, has a meteoric rise to quote Ryan Howard from The Office. We, I, I want to know why TikTok is so successful from your perspective. Yeah, uh, TikTok from my perspective is so successful because of, I, I, and probably people say this a lot, it's algorithm, which no one really fully understands. But here's the, here's the key. TikTok figures out what you like based on something called dwell time, which is how long you spend on a video. It's not what you like, what you comment on, what you share necessarily. A big part of how they feed you entertaining content is what you actually spend time watching. And that's a much better predictor of what people say they like, because I could say I like all day long, you know, academic articles on marketing, but in fact, I'm watching like craft videos on TikTok or frog TikTok, I don't, you know, plant TikTok. Um, And so that piece of it, of being able to actually see where your consumer eyeballs are spending their time is what has made TikTok so different than any of the other platforms because they actually know you um, and it sucks you in right away, right? You don't have to choose content to watch. It sort of chooses it for you versus on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook or um, any of these others, uh, Twitter, you really have to go out of your way to curate your own content where TikTok does the sort of legwork for you. That is very very interesting, right, Alexa? Yeah, I, think I didn't crazy. know. I, I always thought it was based on like likes, like the things that I like on TikTok. I always thought that like the videos that would come up on my For You page were based on like my past likes and my past comments and stuff. I didn't know it was the amount of times like, that's weird. That's so crazy. And it, it is. I mean, it's based on likes and like there months ago, there was a trend going around that people were like, go to the, um, uh, you know, settings and, and just press share, but don't share it with anyone. I'm doing a, you know, experiment. And it was really because any sort of interaction gets things to trend on the platform, but this piece of your eyeballs and how much time you spend, because I think about, you know, videos that maybe I would never share with someone, but I've watched them multiple times. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, and then now I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Why my for you page looks this way. Uh, So yeah, this, this piece of your sort of attention and the, the competition for eyeballs is where TikTok has excelled. 
Oh, most definitely. And you mentioned how there's a lot of lot of types of TikTok. I remember you just said frog TikTok. To what extent do you think that social media in general is becoming more inclusive for both content creators, consumers, and also for advertisers trying to sell their products online? Yeah, I think that it's become more built around communities. So you're able to find your people, find your tribe in a bit um, easier way, so to speak. So if you are interested in some very niche area um, of maybe a hobby or a sport or some entertainment, you know, TV show that you really like, that you can find other people that are really into that same content in a much easier way. So I think that it has... Um, it's become inclusive in the way of being sort of exclusive in creating these boundaries and little circles that people can become a part of and feel like you're part of a community more than just um, one person out of the whole internet. You have your own mini internet that you are involved in. So I think in that way, it's, it's created these little inclusive communities around sort of exclusive content. And a quick follow-up on that. What do you think are the benefits and the drawbacks of that tribalization of niches online? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a really dark side to it. Um, there's a fantastic uh, podcast called Rabbit Hole, if you're interested, that talks all about how we kind of go down these rabbit holes. And um, for example, on YouTube, as you watch videos on YouTube, it's going to say, oh, you like that YouTube video? Let me show you these other ones that you might like. And if it's something like, um, white supremacist content that suddenly now you're in a rabbit hole of white supremacist content. Um, this can work in a really positive way where maybe it's something about like, you know, uh, positive mental health content. And now you're in this rabbit hole of positive mental health content. Uh, but it kind of silos people into these different communities for better or for worse. So uh, our last question is what online consumer culture trends caught your attention in 2021? Yeah, one that I see a lot and I just mentioned um, is this uh, trend of mental health. So I think we see more and more influencers um, kind of building their following around mental health conversations, around health education. Um, we see apps that are popping up in this space of digital mental health and being able to access things like um, Calm or Talkspace, which are apps really targeted toward uh, mental well-being and mental health. Uh, so I think we'll see more of that in the in sort of a sign of the times in the midst of an ongoing pandemic and um, trying to create accessible ways that people can care for themselves and care for others is one that um, I've I've really seen a lot of uh, in you know my um, research and feed. So. Uh, are there any other like specific trends that you think you'll see continue in 2022? I, there's some that I hope continue. <laughs> um, there's, uh, you know, definitely there, this hashtag activism in a positive way, not just being able to click, but actually turn those clicks into actionable um, ways that we can disrupt the status quo. I think the more that we can use hashtags and social media spaces to educate and uh, create sort of activist spaces is fantastic. So I hope that that will continue. I think one thing that TikTok has disrupted is sort of the Instagram perfection idea where it used to be on Instagram, everything was sort of perfectly filtered and this beautifully curated feed and TikTok is like, oh, I happen to be up at 2 a.m. and I filmed this video and now it's going viral. 
so I think this sort of like gritty, um, uh, less idealized version of real life experiences has been really refreshing. Uh, and so I think we'll see more of those trends. And then from a brand perspective, I think um, we'll see more and more brands engaging in day-to-day -day conversations. Uh, so it's not these very curated campaigns that are thought out and um, uh, promoted, but commenting on everyday consumers' uh, TikToks or Instagrams, engaging in sort of memeable ways with consumers in more of an everyday experience. Right. Once again, that was acting chair of the marketing department and associate professor of marketing at Loyola University Chicago, Dr. Jenna Drenton. Danny DeCrescenzo and I talked to her about social media and online marketing. Dr. Drenton, thanks again for your time. Thank you.